Alright, so talk today was going to be about Advent uh, and the idea of Advent uh, of hope, uh, a light in the darkness. Um, and so I kind of want to start off with a, uh, a uh, reflection from Matthew um, chapter 4, verse 15, which actually is a quote from Isaiah. So it starts out as, Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light, and those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. And we might be able to end that quote by uh, adding uh, from John uh, chapter 1, verse 5, and the darkness has not overcome it. A light... Those people dwelling in darkness, in land overshadowed by death, light has arisen, and the darkness has not overcome it. So uh, Advent uh, is a time of hope. Um, it's a time for uh, light, um, for the light, for preparing for light. And uh, for people who don't know, it, Advent actually comes from the word coming. So it's a preparation for uh, coming, obviously, for the coming of Christ. Uh, who's the light of the world, who's our hope. Now, what is hope, though, right? Uh, and um, hope uh, comes from the uh, Greek word pedra, meaning to anticipate. Um, uh, it's interesting how we actually use the word hope many a times. So uh, we'll say things like, I hope I do well on the exam, or I hope I find a good person to marry, or I hope my... Uh, uh, dad will get better from a sickness or I hope uh, my kids do their homework you know and so whenever we're using that word hope though it always is something in that word and it seems to be a seed of doubt like I'm not sure it's gonna happen I'm really wanting it to but I'm not sure so um, uh, Paul in Romans 8 24 actually gives us an uh, in- interesting discussion on hope he says uh, for in hope we were saved Now hope that sees for itself is not hope, for who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. And so going back to that, he actually says, for in hope we were saved. So he already anticipates what's going to happen. He's anticipating the salvation that God brought for his people through Christ even though he doesn't fully see it. He believes that's going to happen, right? And he's going to wait with endurance, even though he doesn't see the final product of his hope. And so hope is waiting with endurance for our own salvation without despair, because despair is the opposite of hope. Despair tells us that we shouldn't believe or we should doubt. And obviously one of the greatest... uh, statements of uh of that idea is when jesus is on the cross he's saying to god into your hands i commend my spirit so this idea of placing ourselves hope is almost like placing ourselves into god's hands like we totally entrust god okay because um, people have talked about faith as kind of a movement away from our own belief of truth into the reality of truth what what is truth according to god and hope is is abandoning ourselves to that truth in God's hands. And so, hope of Advent is really the coming of salvation, the coming of Christ. Um, and what is what is that real thing that we're longing and seeking? Well, 
Psalm 26a probably puts it very well. Um, and this is a quote that St. Josemaria actually liked to say at the towards the end of his life. Uh, Voltum tuum domini requiarum, meaning, Lord, I seek your face. And so that's really what we're seeking. We're not seeking uh, a, a idea or um, you know, uh, a, a good outcome. We're actually seeking God uh, in our salvation. And so how can we seek the face of Christ during Advent? Uh, and I think the stories that we get here, especially as we approach uh, the Christmas time, uh, about uh, the infant narrative and things that happen during that time, uh, the characters in that can really give us some guidance on uh, kind of how we can prepare. So obviously Mary would be, you know, the greatest model of that, of course. We have uh, uh, a mother, and we think about a woman who's pregnant, and in the final weeks be- before she's delivering, she's probably constantly thinking, especially about her child, thinking about the child's face. And that idea of just contemplating Jesus, as Mary contemplated, thinking about you know, what Jesus would look like and how things would turn out. Um, you know, in this day and age, uh, we have ultrasounds. Of course, we can somewhat see what the baby looks like beforehand. Back then, of course, they didn't. So this great anticipation, um, you know, if we think about that, Mary was constantly thinking and contemplating what Christ and who Christ would be. Uh, and so that idea of prayer life is really uh, a central part of Advent, thinking about Christ coming into our heart and praying with Christ. So obviously the foundation of our Advent season needs to be a foundation of prayer, of growing in our prayer life, of spending committed time in prayer. Uh, the other thing is to look at uh, our encounters with Mary. First, obviously, her fiat, you know, let it be done unto me. So again, having that childlike trust during Advent of what God's planning for us here and now and also in the future. The other thing we notice about Mary is after the uh, Annunciation is that she immediately goes to serve others. So she immediately gets up and makes haste to go visit her kinswoman Elizabeth to help serve her uh, in her pregnancy, uh, especially in her older age. Uh, That might have been difficult and much more tiring for her. Uh, And Mary, uh, despite her own pregnancy and her own needs, puts that aside for the sake of Elizabeth. Uh, And then finally, um, something we might not think about much is about Mary, but Mary also had to have great detachment from the opinion of others because she probably realized at some point people would notice that she'd be pregnant. If, you know, Joseph didn't stand up for her, obviously people might start judging her and condemning her for this this pregnancy that wasn't, uh, you know, was out of wedlock. And so she doesn't worry about that. She rejoices in what God has done for her, even if that means uh, the loss of uh, acceptance or respect by the community. So that idea of having detachment from what others think, maybe we are a little attached to uh, respect from other people, and so that might be an area we have to work on. And then if we turn to uh, Joseph, you know, first off, you know Joseph in this situation, he's in an interesting predicament when he finds his wife Mary, uh, Mary uh, pregnant, and it's not through him. And Joseph, though, as it says, is a righteous man, and even though at that time the punishment would be stoning to death, uh, Joseph uh, doesn't want that to happen to Mary. And so he, even though he doesn't understand it, 
is able to show love and compassion to Mary and decides that he's secretly going to divorce her until obviously the angel comes and reveals to him the actual uh, origin of her pregnancy, which is through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's ability not to decide to pass judgment on others uh, was an important virtue that he lived during that time. Uh, and that's something that we can also gain from a lot of times. It's very easy for us in this day and age to pass judgment. It's kind of interesting. Before the age of social media, there was the period of don't judge other people. And now it seems with social media, people are making judgments even before they know any of the facts or all the facts. They just see something and they're like, oh, this person's wrong or this person's right. And when we judge the person, we're not really interested in the person's goodness. We just want to push them down. And it's usually because we want to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And so this idea of uh, passing judgment, even just in our minds, is something that we all can work on. And certainly Joseph is an excellent model of that. The second thing, obviously, about Joseph is something important that the angel commands him to do, which is to bring Mary into his home. And so this idea of having strengthening our Marian devotions this time, whether it's saying a rosary every day or maybe you um, uh, do the Angelus, uh, you know, at certain times during the day, or uh, even just bringing a picture of Mary into your house and putting her uh, up in your home, uh, is something that we could do and having Mary actually you know in our home with being reminded of that fact with the picture and then the third thing I always was impressed about St. Joseph is he obviously doesn't talk and certainly didn't complain much uh, you know the you know in the middle of the night he's uh, told that he must get up and flee to Egypt uh, a land that wasn't too inviting to Jewish people <laughs> Uh, you don't see him complaining or asking God to please send a, uh, you know, a horde of angels to take out Herod and his men. He just listens and obeys. And so sometimes learning to bear patient with difficulties, which is one of the spiritual works of mercy, um, is something that we also can learn to practice during this time because obviously a lot of times the holidays we experience that. There's a lot of difficulties that come up or butting of heads with family members about what we should do. Um, another interesting character I think that uh, you know also sometimes get lost is uh, Zachariah. So we know that Zachariah was the angel Gabriel first came to him to tell him about the uh, uh, the uh, pregnancy and birth of uh, John the Baptist, and obviously Zachariah's response was an astonishment and doubt, which then led him to being made mute for a period of time up until uh, the naming of his son, and so this can actually be a helpful time for us to enter into penance and confession so making use of the sacrament of confession during this time is very important in preparation uh, for receiving our Lord more worthily uh, and then actually uh, act, um, practicing uh, extra penances during this time uh, to help with ourselves being detached from our prior sins and grow closer to God uh, and then uh, a final group of characters is, uh, that I'd like to highlight is obviously the three wise men. Uh, they weren't Jewish themselves, but they recognized the signs of the time, so they were watchful and, and thinking about it. They were also very scientific, so they weren't just astrologers, they were astronomers, they tracked the stars, and so we can kind of maybe relate to them as uh, some like scientists ourselves here in the practice of the healthcare field. Uh, and how they were watchful and recognized God's action in our world through uh, just ordinary things. Uh, and the fact that obviously they want to bring a gift 
to this newborn king. And so they travel far to bring this gift uh, and traveling through difficult circumstances. And I think the most impressive thing, though, about them is that they're obviously anticipating a king, which they're thinking about, you know, most people that they would think a king's going to be born in grand, glorious, you know, setting. And they had to be maybe a little astonished when they saw the light over some cave or, you know, uh, uh, stable in Bethlehem with very poor, meek, and humble surroundings, and yet they still go in believing. Uh, and so this great belief that they had in uh, the, and faith in, in following uh, this uh, the star that was uh, drawing them to the newborn king and to trust that. And so... Um, Maintaining that faith even in difficult circumstances, even when things don't seem to be as they should. Um, how they were rewarded by them being able to see the newborn king. Um, and then finally, kind of just wanting to contrast how we can kind of mess up in Advent. And obviously that would be Herod, is the great antithesis of Advent. Because he was seeking Christ himself, but not for the same reason, of course. And the reason we know that Herod was seeking Christ was, uh, at the base of it, Herod was a fearful, jealous person. So if we if we read the history of Herod, he was born in somewhere around 78-79 B.C., and his life was uh, basically a life of trying to acquire more power, and he declared himself king of the Jews. He was made, he was the tetrarch of uh, of uh, of uh, Judea, which uh, was established by the Roman Empire, and uh, he he was uh, always looking ways to establish, get more power. So, for instance, to win more favor. Uh, he uh, divorced his first wife and banished him, her and her son, so he could marry this other woman, Miriam, who was a, uh, I think was a granddaughter of uh, a, a high-ranking royal official, so he could uh, be in better standing with Rome. Uh, and uh, he ultimately was, as we can see, a very violent person who not only we know is guilty of the uh, killing and murdering of the innocents, um, but he actually killed several members of his own family, including his second wife, Miriam, several of his children, and his firstborn son, out of fear and jealousy. Uh, and uh, so, although obviously we're not going to be, hopefully not obviously guilty of those great uh, uh, evils, uh, we can all kind of have a sense of Herod in us during Advent, mainly when it stems from we want to kind of control and direct exactly how things are going to happen with Advent. Um, you know, a lot of times we can get caught up in the minutia of things, like I have to have the perfect gift for someone, or, uh, you know, most of us these days aren't too wrapped up if, you know, if we didn't get the gift we wanted like we were when we were a kid. Um, but we can have other issues that arise, you know, like, um, you know, did I get my Christmas cards out in time, or I really wanted to go to the Midnight Mass at Lourdes, Candlelight Mass, and my family didn't, and so we didn't get to go, or, uh, you know, I wanted to do this with my family, or get to this place, or, or, you know, whatever, we could think of a million things, but that's a lot of times what really messes up our Advent preparations, when we get caught up, you know, we have to have the, the perfect meal, or, you know, um, you know, not to banter on my wife, but she gets very sad, you know, if the pie got messed up or something like that, you know. And so there's a million things that we can get uh, attached to about Advent that we think has to happen to make Advent perfect. Um, 
and that can lead to a lot of uh, lack of interior peace just obviously like Herod shows no interior peace by uh, trying to as much as possible control everything and ultimately failing of course um, and uh, and so we have to kind of watch out for that and obviously the characters in uh, in our in the, that we just mentioned before obviously we're not led by that spirit. I mean, uh, you know, first off, I mean, I don't think Joseph and Mary initially planned to have to travel down to Bethlehem to have their baby, but they were forced to because of census. And then obviously them having to go and reside in Egypt for a period of time until it was safe to return uh, was not in the plans, you know. Uh, I mean, and so having that sense of not my will, that fiat, not my will be done, but yours, God, and all these things. And that even goes through the little things of our day, things that we were hoping or planning would be good things, you know. Um, you know, even if we have good intentions about those things, if they don't turn out that way, not being attached to our plan and being prepared for God's plan, which is usually greater, might not be as happy on the surface at times, but when we're open to and accepting it, um, we can really discover the joy uh, that the angels profess to us that they want us to experience uh, at the time of Christmas. Um, and so really that hope, that true anticipation of our salvation that we're not doubting um, is something that we have to abandon ourselves to God about and not just micromanage on our own, which can happen a lot of times through the holiday season. And so to conclude, just to remind ourselves, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen, and the darkness has not overcome it. So reminding ourselves in these times when we can sense uh, the shadow of death and darkness around us at times, knowing that the light has come into the world and that it can't be overcome. Light can't be overcome by darkness. Lies can't be overcome by truth. Evil can't be overcome by love. And so really entrusting ourselves to the uh, Lord and his uh, bountiful mercy uh, and so that we can have Christ reign in our hearts because as much as Christ desired to come down to earth and reign on a throne of a manger, he actually wants even more to reign in our hearts. And so by preparing ourselves well during Advent, we can allow Christ to reign more in our hearts uh, because our hearts are more prepared to receive him.